The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. At getting a hand on these punts. And this one is blocked once again, and the Irish have it. Botello gets a hand on it. Prince Conley has the football. DJ is picked off, intercepted again by Benjamin Morrison. Can he go? Yes, he can. Here's Pine to the air, wide open. Is Michael Mayer for the touchdown? Here they go. <laughs> Nights like this, why you love college football. Here come the Irish. What a run! Touchdown! Play of the year for the Irish. Welcome to the Indy on NBC podcast presented by Salesforce. I'm your host, Corey Robinson. Congratulations, Indy Nation. Notre Dame beat Clemson 35-14. Remember uh, the epic game in 2020 that we that we covered that we profiled at double overtime, legendary win. This year the situation a little different, <laughs> a little different. Uh, Clemson still in the upper echelon of college football, sitting at number four at the time. Notre Dame out of the rankings, and what happened? Complete domination. I mean, you look at a scoreless. I mean, it was, it was Notre Dame held Clemson, a number four ranked Clemson team, scoreless in the first half. Just let that sink in. We have seen this play out. Mike Golick was right. We saw this play out when he joined our podcast and said, hey, Notre Dame, um, just be patient with them. They play good teams well, bad teams bad. This is the perfect example of that. Um, so now Notre Dame is back in the top 25, sitting at number 20, and Clemson fell to number 12. We have a few games left. And we'll see how they finish out strong. But so far, I mean, it seems like the the bread and butter for this Notre Dame team is the run offense. A huge game by Logan Diggs, over 100-yard performance. Audric Estime, over 100-yard performance. The offensive line started off a little shaky in the season, if you remember correctly, way, way, way back when. Now it looks like they're gelling that chemistry. Uh, Harry Heastan is such a, you know, he's so great at building offensive lines. We're starting to see uh, the trademark offensive line. One thing I, I want to bring to your attention is um, another trademark for, for Notre Dame. When I was there, of course, it's O-line you, but you can't forget about tight end you. Michael Mayer did it again. Just It seems like he's going after every record in the book, and he finally beat Ken McAfee's touchdown record. He's the sole owner of uh, a single touchdown record for a tight end with 16 touchdowns, and he got it at home against a top five Clemson team. He joined the podcast to tell us about that moment, what it was like when he talked to his mom after the game and uh, his dream apartment or dream house. He's into architecture and real estate and interior design. Who would have thought? This is Michael Mayer. And it is now a, a great pleasure for me to welcome none other than Michael Mayer 
to the podcast. Michael, welcome. You know, big win against Clemson. Let's just start there. Uh, you broke a record, um, one, another record, I should say. Now you hold that tight end uh, touchdown record all by yourself. I saw you take a bow with the crowd. What was that moment like for you? It's a it's a moment I've been I've been waiting for. Um, the fans, the I think it's cool how how it came this Saturday. Um, you know, there was a lot of things that came together this Saturday. We beat Clemson in 2020 at home, um, and then they came um, to our house again. And I think there was a, just an accumulation of things. Um, there was a little bit of emotion too. Uh, you know, a lot of people have helped me along the way. Uh, a lot of coaches. You know, I've had great teammates. I've had you know four quarterbacks since I've been here that have had to throw me the ball. So. Um, an accumulation of things, and uh, you know, I'm very grateful for for everybody that's you know helped me throughout this process. Who, who was the first call after the, after the game uh, that that was like congratulations? Uh, so, for I mean, this wasn't a call, but first face I saw was my mom. Um, she's been there with me through it all. gave gave her a big hug. Um, my parents are so proud of me. They've helped me through through so many things. Um, you know, even picking a college, they helped me pick the University of Notre Dame. And um, it's just it, it's a beautiful thing to be able to share moments like that with people in your life that have helped you out so much. Like my mom has helped me out. It's a beautiful thing because she gets emotional about it, too, because she's put so much time in it and so much work. And also and um, it's just cool to be able to share that moment with your mom. When you're thinking about um, like like when you first came in, Michael, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I told you this, like when you were like a freshman, I'm like, look, get used to doing media. Like, <laughs> like, you're, uh -huh. you're like, almost like all of us were just like, you know, you're going to, to do great things, but you actually had to, to walk that path. Like, how do you stay patient and motivated when you're actually going through that grind, playing with four quarterbacks and, you know, you know, the, the years that it takes to do this? Yeah. I, look, I've had an awesome support um, kind of throughout my entire career. It, it hasn't always been easy, you know, especially this year. You know, we got two losses that really we shouldn't have lost. Um, and I think it's always kind of leaning on your support, and that's what I do. I got tons of great friends, tons of great family, um, tons of great teammates. Um, you know, I live I live with football players, so I'm, I'm talking, with, talking about football all the time. We're talking about practice. What do we do here? What do we do that? I live with another tight end, so we can talk about tight end specific things. And – I think it just goes back to leaning on the people that can help you the most and, um, you know, that are grateful for your friendship and uh, just kind of help each other. One thing that stands out in my mind um, is, especially in, in Notre Dame lore, is, is mentorship, right? I know you're close with Tyler Eifert. He was actually my favorite player before I came to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what has those those conversations been like this season when, when you're, you know, breaking his record and all these other records? Yeah. What, is he, what does he talk to you about? Yeah. I was uh, I grew up about 10, 15 minutes outside of the Cincinnati Bengals stadium, so I was a huge Tyler Eifert fan growing up too. I went to tons of Bengals games growing up. He was playing in the games all the time, um, and and especially kind of this year with the records I've kind of been breaking, I can feel the relationship with Tyler getting a little closer. We've been joking about things. He's been texting me if I break a record, or and I live with his little brother too, so he's kind of around too. So I live with Griffin Eifert, his little brother. So, uh, you know, he can't really escape me. He can't, he's got to talk to me. He's got to be friends with me, no matter how much he doesn't want to be. Um, but great guy and just a great resource to have. Um, played a lot of years in the league, knows about the league, knows about the time and play in the league, um, and, and a great resource to have for any questions I have and really anything in life. Who is that person for you that you're kind of taking under your wing now on the team? I would say at first it was Mitch Evans. Um, when he first got here last year, 
and and now I would say it's Holden Stays. A uh, lot, a lot of uh, good stuff I've seen from Holden Stays. Um, Eli Raritan was another guy that was fantastic, and, and he's unfortunately down with an injury. But Holden Stays has came in. He reminds me a lot of a Tommy Tremble, um, a great blocker, good speed in his routes, can get out of his breaks, that type of thing. Um, and so I've kind of taken him under his wing. He's, he's had to do some things to learn the offense a little bit easier. Um, you know, what do you do here? What do you do there? Um, that type of thing. And, and once you get that down, once the thinking's kind of over, then you can just start playing ball. And I think he's finally getting to that. You know, this is his first year, true freshman, um, getting to that point where he doesn't really have to do so much thinking. He can just come out here and play ball. So um, great kid, great guy, going to be a great, great player here. When did that moment occur for you where you just stopped thinking? I would say I would say my first game here. I mean, I, I, I would. I would say I, I got here. It was COVID. I got here, you know, June, whatever, and I had the whole summer. I would go out. We weren't really doing much because we weren't allowed to during COVID. I would go out with 12, Ian Book, and, uh, you know, we'd go through some routes. We, What do you call this? What do you name this? What can you do with this route if that happens? What can you do with this if that happens? And uh, so kind of by the first game, I kind of had the offense down. And the other thing during COVID, um, you know, spring leading up to me going in the summer, I was having meetings with Coach McNulty, the tight ends coach, me and Kevin Bauman were. So I got a little bit of like a two-and-a-half, three-month head start on the offense, which was – awesome for me because being able to want to come in and play as a freshman and know what the heck I'm doing and not let anybody down that type of thing it was huge um so I had that for three months and then I came in here and grinded with with Ian and uh some of the other tight ends and it's kind of an accumulation of things and just getting comfortable and getting confident and it didn't take me that long Hmm. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the important role your family has, particularly your mom, being able to share all these moments with, with her. Uh, what was her advice to you when you chose Notre Dame in the first place? My parents have always – they've always been, like, simple with advice, but there's always things you can take with it and, and do. Um, you know, my mom always my mom always says just work hard, work hard, and keep the faith in God, and everything else will uh, kind of work itself out. So – when I'm, at, when I'm anxious about a test or an exam or a, a big game coming up, you know, I just try to prepare for that as, as good as I can, as hard as I can work for that. And if I work as hard as I can work and it doesn't go the way that I want it to, there's nothing I can do about it. It's it's out there. It's it's in God's hands. It's doing whatever you need to do. So work my hardest, keep my faith in God, keep, you know, um, you know, keep keep doing things like that and just, you know, keep a positive mindset and whatever happens, happens, you know. You know, this is a this this podcast. We like to highlight, obviously, football, love football, but we also yeah. like to talk about the student part, like the student athlete, the holistic you know side of, of the people we see on Saturdays. So I'm curious for you. You know, we, we know how great of a football player you are, but what beyond football? Because the game ends for all of us. You know, what do you hope to accomplish and do when you hang up the pads? I'm still figuring that part out. I uh, I'm still figuring that part out. I I like real estate. When I was a kid, I used to uh, go on the Internet and just look up, you know, things about real estate and, and houses and, and architecture. And so I'm kind of weird with houses like I in my mind, I already know kind of what custom house I want to build. I know, you know, where the kitchen's going to be, where the, the rooms are going to be. It's uh, it's a really weird thing, but it's kind of something I'm always thinking of when I'm just bored, like um, like cool interior designs, things like that. So 
I don't know, maybe get into something like that, see where that takes me. Um, but if it works out, it works out, you know. Are you like, were you one of those like kids who were reading Architectural Digest and like looking at like spreads and like, or like looking at like the architects and all like all the great architects? I don't know if I was reading it, but I was looking at it. So I would look at all the cool pictures <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I like, oh, I really like that, you know, that stone, that stone color with that, you know, couch or that type of thing. And so um, it was a really cool thing to just be able to do young and be able to just talk about things like that with, you know. Um, mom, why'd you like, I lived in a, a house that my parents built growing up. So I was like, well, just ask being able to ask questions about it and things like that, um, ha has been a cool little thing. So I don't know. We'll see where it takes me. Wow. And that's, that's really neat. Like, so when you think about your custom house, I, I mean, I find this fascinating. I love art. So when you think about like a custom house, like where, I guess, you know, what are the things that you, what are your inspiration? You know, like, like, what do you want? Yeah. What do you like? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. I'm a big um, open concept ranch style guy. So I want my, I want to have high ceilings. I want to have an open kitchen and an open living room. Um, so people can kind of mingle when they're in the kitchen and in the living room watching TV. Um, and I kind of, I don't like the small separate rooms. I like having just an open concept, um, open style type thing, high ceilings. Um, and so I've kind of gone on the internet if I'm boarding class or something and I'll go look for stuff and I'll kind of bring it all together. All right, I'll screenshot that. I'll come back to that. I'll screenshot that and kind of be able to go back in my camera roll and say, all right, I kind of like that. We can put that with that. I kind of like that, put that with that. So it's a, just a, I mean, I don't, I hope I'll be able to, you know, build my dream house and, you know, if it happens, it happens, but it's just a cool little thing that, you know, I, I kind of do to just keep my mind occupied. No, I love that. You're kind of like, that sounds like a creative director. Like that's what, you know, like making like mood boards and saying like, that's like the, the feel and look I want and developing taste. I mean, that's, yep. that's wonderful, man. I, you know, I'm curious too, since you seem like a very specific person, right? Like, you know, exactly what you want. Like, you know, the house that you want to be, it's custom. Like, you know, the way you play football, we've had conversations in the past and meetings and stuff listening to, you seem like, you know, exactly what you want to work on. Where, where did that come from? Have you always been like that? always been like it always 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 been like it um i really I, I i really don't let many people change how i am in this world um if that makes any sense like i've kind of always been you know this guy and if these people try to come in and make me somebody else i'll kick him to the curb or i'll say you know i'm gonna stay myself i'm really not gonna change for you that type of thing um and that's kind of how I've, how I've been my whole entire life. I, I, I just, I am the way I am. If you don't like it, just move on. All right, I'll talk to you later. If, if you do, then we can be friends, you know? How do you, how do you think about leadership then? Because, you know, like, because when you, it seems like, you know, when you talk about a leader and the vision of where you want to go, you know, you're a captain on this team. You're one of the guys everyone looks up to and you have a clear vision. You know, how do you communicate that and bring all the young guys uh, with you? <clears throat> Well, first, everybody on the team knows the type of my, man I am. They know how I am. They know how I roll. Um, and so that's kind of the first thing of understanding is, like, when I'm out here as a captain and I'm coaching these guys up and, you know, teaching them things, or you need to do this or do that, the, the tone that I'm doing it with is a tone that makes them feel like they're comfortable with having that conversation with me. I'm not just going at them and yelling at them. I'm not saying, hey, stupid, you need to do this. I'm going at them with a normal tone, and I'm kind of – you know, in a sense, being a teacher and telling them, all right, let's let's work through this. Why did you do this? Why did you not do that? 
that type of thing. Um, and I formed a great relationship with these guys. Um, being a captain on this football team has been able to really just take me to a to a higher, you know, really place here at the University of Notre Dame that I'd never really think I'd, I'd be at. Have you, have you ever thought about like, do you enjoy coaching and like being a teacher to these guys? So it's it's uh, really I I. I I, I told my coach this the other day. I said, I really don't think, you know, maybe I would be a high school football coach, um, you know, when I'm retired or something, go back and just coach some kids up and have some fun. But I really I really cannot see myself being, you know, a college football coach or an NFL football coach for whatever reason that is. I don't know. I love the game of football. I love playing it, but I don't think I, I would be a coach. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hard, demanding lifestyle. It's a different, it's, it's you know, a, different it's than just – It's a very yeah. demanding lifestyle, um, you know, especially if you're trying to, you know, build a family, build a, uh, you know, find a wife, get married, that type of thing. It takes a lot of your time, um, a lot of time to be a coach. And, you know, that's why I respect, that's why I respect the coaches so much. They, they put so much time into this and uh, so much time into our lives as players. It's, it's an awesome thing to see. Uh, who, who has been one coach during your, your time? Because, you know, you played for Coach Kelly, Brian Kelly, now Coach Marcus Freeman, you know, a whole new array of coaches in and out. Uh, who has been the one coach that has uh, really impacted you? Or, you know, you can name a couple, but uh, who's someone that's really helped change your life? I'd say my two tight ends coach, uh, starting with Coach McNulty, who was here my freshman and sophomore year, and then Coach Barker, who's been tremendous with me this year. Um, coach McNulty brought me in. He I, I was a little nervous coming in, but he was he, he did a good job of making me feel comfortable here, um, making it a comfortable space to learn, to be able to go into the meeting room and to be able to sit down and say, look, Michael, you need to do this better. You need to do that better instead of just yelling at me and saying, do this, do that, that type of thing. So that was really awesome for me because that's the way that I like to learn. I, I would rather learn that way than any other way, sitting down with a coach him being, you know, understanding of me being a football player and trying to be the best player I can be and him kind of teaching these things, these concrete ways to get better at things, concrete ways. And Coach Parker is a huge kind of advocate of that too, sitting me down and saying, all right, you have this leverage on this route. There's three things you can do. Here's the three things, and you do what you want with these three things. And that's been tremendously helpful too. And um, those two guys have been a big, big part of, of the – why I am the player I am today. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like the through lines. You talk to so many athletes, and that's one thing that keeps coming up is, you know, like, one, being able to have clear direction, and two, once you have that clear direction, being able to, to have that trust to, like, okay, I'm, I trust you to make decisions on the field. And Exactly. That's, that's wonderful. You know, I, I, be, I know we're running low on time. I have one more question, and I'm going to let you go. And that question is, what is – your favorite Notre Dame tradition. You, you've seen, you've been a part of these huge games, you know, you're already written in the Notre Dame lore, uh, but what stands out to you? It's like, man, I just love this tradition so much. I like the player walk. And let me tell you why. Um, before, but the first two years I was here, the player walk, we came out of the Goog. We, we, we didn't go to, we didn't do what we do this year where we do go to mass before the player walk. We came out of the Goog and, uh, right out of the goop, right to the left, my family would always be sitting right there waiting for me. And it was awesome because I was like, I got to see my family. I got to say hello. And then I got the rest of the player walk to kind of get my mind ready. It was a cool little thing. And now this year we're coming right out of Basilica and my family either sits right to the right or right to the left. And it's a cool thing because, first of all, not a lot of people get to do the player walk that we get to do. Secondly, to be able to kind of see my family, give them a hug, give them a kiss before I get to just go out on the field and do what I love is an awesome thing. And um, 
the player walk here is something that will stick for me the rest of my life, and I'll remember it the rest of my life, and I know my family will too um, because they just – my mom loves seeing me on the walk um, all dressed up and, and giving her a big hug and be ready to just go to war on that field, and, and she's going to be there watching me in the stand, so it's cool. And so it's all about, man. Uh, yeah. Michael Merrick, congratulations on the season you're having, everything you've done in Notre Dame, and, and uh, we're cheering for you, so good luck. Thank you guys very much. Thank you for having me. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Michael, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time to join the podcast. Now, if you can imagine this, we get a chance to talk to Coach Neil Ivey, uh, the head coach of the women's basketball team at Notre Dame. I love women's basketball. When I lived in college, I went to a ton of games. They're always incredible. I'm a huge fan, like a massive, massive fan. And I follow all the Indy alums in the WNBA. And we get a chance to talk to Coach Ivey about the City Shamrock Classic. This is a brand new event. It's happening this weekend, this weekend, November 12th, in St. Louis, her hometown. And she breaks it all down for us. She talks about uh, being an NBA mom, uh, her son, Jaden Ivey, plays for the Detroit Pistons in his rookie year. She talks about her journey, her coaching influences, and what she's learned from um, the legendary coach, Don Staley. Without further ado, Coach Ivey. And now it is my uh, tremendous pleasure to welcome uh, Coach Neil Ivey. I'm going to put your whole your whole title, the Karen and Kevin Keyes Family Head Women's Basketball Coach at the University of Notre Dame. And uh, it's so, so good to be with you. Last time we talked was this summer, and now this is it. One game under your belt this season. You're ranked number nine. Let's just talk about the start of the season. Uh, how's the team? How are you feeling? How's everything going? Yeah, it's going great. Um, home opener Monday, had a great crowd, came out victorious. It was awesome. Um, and just really excited about this group. They're really fun to work with, really fun to coach, and excited for you know potentially what could happen this season for us. What is it like? I know you played there. I know you've been on Coach Muffet McGraw's staff. You know, I know you like you know Notre Dame in and in and out. But like, can you describe the feeling of a home opener? You know, for fans who maybe maybe haven't been in that environment. Yes, the, I mean just the electricity of the moment. It's we're, the preparation before the home opener is just like just so exciting. And then to walk down that tunnel for me, I never take it for granted. I never take for granted being here at Notre Dame and, and coaching and leading this program um, and at this university that I love so much. And so when I walk through that tunnel, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm blessed. You know, it's a dream come true still, even in year three. So that excitement is just it's so fun. And then, you know, seeing the team, they play with such energy. Um, actually, Dara Mabry um, had an incredible play that made top 10, excuse me, top seven on Sports Center. So um, really great atmosphere, great game. And just it was, it was great just to see our team on the floor and, and the way that they they meshed that day, that night was awesome. When I think about my experience you know, playing for Notre Dame football and I'm in the tunnel when I was a player and you see all the golden helmets, that's one feeling. And then to go back, I was a, a, on, the, on the sideline doing pregame, postgame. And like, that's a different feeling, you know, being, how would you describe the different feelings of being, you know, a player in the tunnel to being an assistant coach to then now being the head coach? Yeah, I think I still kind of have those like jitters and those butterflies of excitement um, as a player, a little bit more anxious, you know, it just felt like I'm, I got to perform. So I had more anxious butterflies. And then as a, as a head coach and assistant, it's pride, 
um, it's um, energy, it's uh, competitiveness. Like it's it's um, a little bit different just because you know I'm I'm leading, I'm trying to coach, so it's a little bit different. But uh, as a player, I was always so ready. You know, I was so I was so so excited just to wear that jersey. Um, I felt like you know every time I step on that court, you know I'm playing for more than myself. So um, very similar, but I think I'm a little bit more anxious and more nervous as a player because I knew I had to be on the court performing. This weekend's a very special weekend. Um, it's the City Shamrock Classic versus Cal. And um, you're from St. Louis. It's where the game's going to be played. Uh, the, the opposing head coach, Charmin Smith, also from St. Louis. So, And this is also the first live broadcast of a women's college basketball game on NBC. Uh, when I say all of that, there's a lot of areas we can go into. But you know, what are the first reactions um, to, to that statement that's real? It's here. Yeah. Oh, I, we, I, I can't believe this. You know, to be honest, it's like we've been talking about this game and um, all the extras that go behind the scenes. And, and now it's here for me, it's full circle moment coming back home to St. Louis playing against Charmin Smith, somebody that I looked up to as a player, a young player growing up. Um, and then this, the last time we played in the enterprise arena in St. Louis was when we won. And I actually was a player in 2001. So a full circle moment for me, I'll have the opportunity to um, have my family there, my high school, my high school coach, former high school coach. So a lot of support. And it, it's basically the foundation of who, what raised me, you know, St. Louis raised me, my family. And so be able to come home um, to be in this position, to be the, the head coach of Notre Dame is going to be very special for me. What and by the way, just to clarify, you said when we won, it's like not just a game, when won the national championship. <laughs> just, just want to make sure everyone out there listening. Uh, when, when you think about um, what message this sends, what what message does that send to all the young girls and boys in St. Louis to see your journey, um, and then you coming back in this in this manner? Yeah, I mean, just to dream big, to be honest, um, and that I'm showing them that anything is possible. Um, I've always wanted to play in college, and I had opportunity to play at Notre Dame. And then after my professional career, I got into coaching, and, and I never thought, I never imagined that I would be leading the University of Notre Dame. I wanted to be a head coach, but that took a little bit of time, put a lot of work in it, um, and, you know, just, just to realize um, I'm just a visual representation of anything is possible. And if you dream big and you work hard, um, you can amount to, to anything. And so that's, that's the biggest message for me um, being in this role and, and leading this, my university. When I think about basketball in college, you know, I think about some of the marquee events um, like for instance, of course, March Madness, but I'm talking about during the season, like the Hawaii, the Maui gym invitational, you know, there are like kind of these, these interesting tournaments that stand out as like a, Hey, like let's, it's an event. It's, let's, let's kind of like make it almost like a bowl game in college football. Notre Dame has created the Shamrock series, which has been like a mid season bowl game, going to travel the country and make a big deal out of it. And to me, when I heard about the city Shamrock classic, it seems a lot like the Shamrock series, but for women's basketball, you know, what, what does that do for uh, women's sports at the collegiate level, especially the, the Notre Dame women's program and just the elevation of women's sports generally in college basketball? Yes, absolutely. It just gives more exposure to our game. Um, like you said, it's going to be a bit special. It's unique. Um, you know, um, California, um, Cal and Notre Dame, two schools that were selected um, out of an incredible, um, you know, history of, of women's basketball. Um, it gives great exposure to our game. Um, and then to be the first televised women's basketball game on NBC is such um, such an elite opportunity and um so i'm just blessed to be a part of that and again it's just it's just it just kind of highlights women's basketball and gives the opportunity to highlight um notre dame and cal and um like you said it's a special event it's not just about the game um it's it's more there's leadership it's empowerment um for our for our both our programs and so just just excited to be a part of that elite group 
And, and what exactly is happening this week? Because I, I was reading about it. It seems like you're going to the Boys and Girls Club. There's a luncheon. Like, could you just break down the event for, I know you're leaving, I think, tomorrow night. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, November 9th. So can you just kind of break through, break down the entire uh, travel itinerary for your team? Yeah, absolutely. So we get we have the opportunity to actually practice at our high school, both our high schools, my high school, Corazio Academy and Ledoux High School for Charmin Smith on Friday after our practice. Um, we are having a luncheon. There's going to be a couple um, speakers, one in particular, Jackie Jonah Kersey, who was my biggest role model and Olympian from East St. Louis. She's going to come speak to both programs. So that's going to be special in itself. Um, just another another person, another representation of power, of, of female leadership, women in, in powerful leadership positions. So I'm excited for that. Um, and then after that, we're going to the Boys and Girls Club. And so we're going to do a community give back. Uh, we have you know a lot of prizes, some games um, and get an opportunity for both programs to have an autograph signing for those for that community. Um, and then for me, you know, when I came back to Notre Dame, outside of, you know, obviously coaching and mentoring, I wanted to give back to the South Bend community. Um, and now it's my opportunity to give back to my own communities, which is really important to me. And I know that's important to Char- Charmin Smith. Um, so then after the autograph session, um, I think we're going to have lunch and, and that's it. And then we have the game on Saturday. Um, there's a girls um, marathon run that's it's happening on Saturday morning as well. Um, so that's going to be really powerful. Um, I think it's a, a 1K run um, for um, the girls for I'm not sure the exact group, but it's a it's a marathon on Saturday morning. So it is an entire event for multiple days, not just the game, which I think is going to be, really impact St. Louis and the St. Louis community. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I when I heard that, I'm like, this is a bowl game kind of schedule. Like that's amazing. And then you think like the potential to maybe travel and do this with other marquee matchups, and this is a replicable model. To me, I'm like, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, and I, I want to zoom in on Jackie Joyner Kersey because you know I I come from an Olympic family. My dad was, went to three Olympics, and like I grew up around the Olympics, like you know, dreaming about the Olympics. And I don't think a lot of people understand just how amazing she was. You know, like people talk about Jackie Joyner Kersey as being one of the greatest female all like all around athletes in history. Maybe one of the greatest athletes of you know of the century of the generation. Three Olympic gold medals. Like what what made you look up to her? What impact did she have on you? Yeah, I mean, just at the time, again, I, you know, we didn't have the WNBA um, when I was growing up at, at that time. And so and her being from East St. Louis was really was about 15 minutes away from my hometown. Or excuse me, my, my, my address, you know, where I grew up in North St. Louis. She was somebody that I was just like, man, like her athleticism, the way that she competed in the Olympics, um, winning at the highest level. Um, you know, she was somebody that looked like me. And so, um, you know, I was always an athlete. I played a ton of different sports. I ran track. Um, I ended up playing basketball, but she was that first first athletic role model, somebody that was very powerful, very confident, somebody that I was like, I want to be like her. Um, <laughs> I wasn't as fast as she was, so I, I kind of went to the basketball court, but she was that role model for me. Um, and again, she just represented so many things that I wanted to be. And for basketball role models, uh, who, who's on that list for you? Who has in- influenced the way that you think about coaching? Yeah, Dawn Staley, for sure. Um, she was a point guard at Virginia. She was somebody that I watched, um, also an Olympian, USA basketball, um, an incredible WNBA legend. So she was somebody that I looked up to. And now, obviously, her being the, the standard, she's the bar right now in co- college women's basketball. So she's also somebody I continue to look up to. But Cheryl Swoops, um, Cynthia Cooper, you know, there's so many, so many legends um, that, I, that I watched and followed growing up. But Dawn Staley is definitely one of them. 
Yeah, it's funny because you know I was reading. I think it was last year at the start of the season. There was like a tournament in the Bahamas or something like that. And Don Stay was talking about how she wants to help you know the next generation of black coaches. And and I just thought that was such an amazing concept. Of like you said, she's the bar, and yet she's thinking, how do I continue to not just like hold on to this power, but make space for other people. You know, when you think about elevating uh, minorities in coaching positions at the collegiate women, uh, basketball level for women's basketball, uh, how do you approach that? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I try to be as much as a mentor as I can because I know I'm not even in this position if I didn't have role models in front of me. Muffin McGraw, who gave me the opportunity, um, so many coaches that, that poured into me, my assistant coaches that all became head coaches. And so I always feel like in my role, I want to give back just like, um, you know, my mentors have given back to me. And I think Don Stelly is the example for me for that. But like you said, like she's winning championships at the highest level, just was the Olympic coach. Um, and right. And she's very intentional about making sure that while she's still in this, that she's giving back. And so she's been an incredible example to all um, minority coaches. And that's something that I want to continue to be um, just because that example was set for me. I'm always on the road trying to find um, young assistants, um, you know, black assistants, any, anyone that needs help. I share my information, my email. I offer I invite them to practices because I know, you know, again, there's a you, you, no one's ever successful without help. And um, I just hopefully I can also be a resource like so many before me that have been a resource for me. Have you ever had like a conversation with, with Coach Daly? Like, you know, like a, like what, what would those conversations look like? If so, what yeah. did she talk to you? Yeah, you know, actually on the road, um, you know, we, we've shared information. I, we text each other. She'll text me before games, especially um, in, the, in, the, in the tournament, you know, like just rooting for you, coach. Like little things like that to me speaks volumes. Just the fact that she takes time, um, again, just to, just to send a positive message or an encouraging message. Um, but, yeah, my conversations are like I just try to pick a brain. You know, what do you think of this? How did you handle this? How did you navigate this? So I'm always trying to I ask a lot of questions um, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that she is the type of person that um, always tries, tries to find ways to give to give back. Uh, so let, let's go to this team. You know, this year you ranked number nine in the preseason poll. Congratulations. You know, last year, 24-9, finished third in the ACC, uh, fifth seed in the NCAA tournament. So when you look at what you were able to accomplish last year to this year, you know, what what have you seen in the offseason that will put you in a position to accomplish your goals this year? Yeah, well, I definitely think I, I really love my core, that my returning core. I returned four starters, actually, Olivia Miles, Sonia Citron, Darren Mabry, and Maddie Westfeld. Um, so just love that I got a chance to, you know, return my core, my starting point guard is a sophomore. Um, so I feel like she has that year under her belt, has has had a lot of experience um, being an early enrollee and also last year as a freshman. I think that's going to really help us. Um, and then I've added some incredible new additions. My freshman, KK Bransford, I think she's going to come in right away and make a great impact. Um, and I have two, three transfers, two post players, Lauren Ebo. Um, Kylie Watson and a transfer, um, Jenna Brown from Stanford, you know, them, she has won a national championship two years ago. So having that experience, having that depth, I think is really going to help propel um, us. We are, my theme this year is hungry for more because um, we got a little taste of what it feels like to go to the tournament, to go to Sweet 16 and also one possession away from the lead eight. So I'm hoping with the new additions, with that core, that we can do something really special this year. You know, I, I know that you have so much going on. You know, like I said, this the City Chairman Classic, you know, the the um, the team this year, top 10. But your son also is rookie year. And I, I got I'm not we can't do the whole interview without talking about Jamie. So uh, how are you handling being an NBA mom? <laughs> it is so crazy to me, to be honest. I 
literally I, I walk, I have my, I have his Jersey. I've gone to six of his games so far. So I've got to, got a chance to actually visit, like vis- visibly better, physically being at his games, which is really important to me. Cause I feel like it's different when I'm watching on league pass or on TV, but like when I'm there, uh, you know, I, I feel in my spirit as a mother, I, I feel so good being there to support him. Um, but I'm just so proud. Like, I, I walk into the arena and I see all these Ivy jerseys on and it's just, it's just surreal for me because this has been a dream of his. Um, and as a parent, you always want your child to be able to to manifest their dreams. And the fact that I'm sitting here and watching and, and watching this manifestation happen and he's so happy, um, you know, Detroit is just a great home. It's a great organization. It's only three hours away from me. So I feel like He's he's away, but he's he's close that I can get to him. Um, but I'm just just filled with so much joy and pride, and I'm just so proud of him, and just so so excited for him. In Detroit, like you said, it's only three hours away, part of the Pistons organization. Are there any field trips coming up for the team as far as like being able to go watch the NBA game after the season or whatever? Is that even on the radar? <laughs> yeah, I'm always every couple weeks or every month. I kind of check my calendar, check his calendar, and I'm like marking off games that I know I can get to. Uh, but I think having a field trip that would be that would be fantastic if I can have a field trip actually with the team but um yeah I just try to schedule around around work around my schedule here and I'm fortunate that I've had an opportunity to really go support him in person and and he knows when I'm not there that you know we text every morning he knows that I'm there in spirit so you know it's interesting you know like I think about my own family history and I'm only saying this because you know it's, it's like a fascinating thing is sometimes the generations before have a dream and they weren't able to be realized until the next generation you know like my my grandpa's like family they, they like my grandpa's brother was a great basketball player but he never got to play in the nba we were from arkansas grew up in the you know in the segregated south then my dad goes and plays for the nba you know and my grandpa and that family gets to actually live the dream through him is that right like, is that kind of the same thing that with your family where like you know like you said you're watching this being manifested with your son like his dream uh, i guess how do you even articulate that from you know the ivy family not just as a mom but just from your family tree yeah i mean that's that's spot on you know when i when i played in the wnba i only played five years um, I had Jaden my rookie season, so my my life trajectory changed uh, when I was a, a young mother um, as a as a rookie, um, being pregnant with him. So I didn't get a chance to, you know, I wanted to be an Olympian, I wanted to win the WNBA championship, I wanted to play for a long time, and I didn't get that opportunity. So I feel like Jaden really is just like your grandfather. Like he's in the NBA and he's you know top rookie. He was a number five draft pick. All the things that I know my entire our entire lineage wanted to accomplished I feel like he's doing that for all of us right now so it's it's really it's really amazing just the legacy of of talent you know his dad played for the lion or his grandfather played for the Detroit Lions and his dad um, also played at Notre Dame so I feel like he's just living that legacy of of, of both families. Oh, it's so special. You know, now I, I know you're busy, so I want to go into our lightning round. We did this with Marcus Friedman. I'd love to do it with you. Uh, it's just basically I, I ask some questions. And it could be about anything, just and you just like whatever comes to mind first. And you just kind of you spit it out, and it's gonna be okay. real quick. And then we can end with a uh, favorite Notre Dame traditions. How does that sound, Coach? Okay, sounds great. Perfect. So uh, it's a fill in the blank. So blank is how I start my mornings. Meditation. Blank is something I cannot travel without. AirPods. Blank is someone I was really nervous to meet for the first time. Beyonce. Oh, what? Oh, my God. How was, when did you meet Beyonce? Let's stop there for a second. Skylar Diggins. <laughs> She's got the connections. Wow. Blank is something I would like to do the old-fashioned way. Oh, cook. <laughs> Blank is a Notre Dame tradition I love. 
Oh, um, she's going to the grotto. That is wonderful. Coach, uh, you know, I cannot wait to watch the historic game this weekend. Uh, the start of something very special, uh, the City Shamrock Classic on NBC, November 12th versus Cal. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us, Coach. Thank you so much. Make NBC Sports Predictor a pregame ritual every week. Play Irish Pick'em for free and have a chance to win $10,000 each week. Rush the end zone and download NBC Sports Predictor app today on the App Store and Google Play Store. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's on the calendar this Saturday. I will be watching. Thank you so much, Coach Ivy. Best of luck to you and your team. So back to football. What do we got this weekend? The correct answer is Navy. Uh, a historic game, historic rivalry. Um, and it's going to be interesting because this is one of those moments where you kind of have to reset every, every single year. It's just like the world in college football has progressed offensively, but Navy is still playing the triple option. So every once in a while, it's just like this weird wonky week where the defense is like, okay, well, how do we play the triple option again? Um, so we're going to find out this Saturday. But you look forward to the next couple, the next three games, Navy, Boston College, and then a top 10 at the current moment ranked USC team, Notre Dame could win out. It could very well happen, especially since we know that theme that Mike Golick taught us earlier on this year. They play good teams well, bad teams bad. If they can figure out the next two weeks and in strong against a, a good team and a, and a top 10 opponent against USC, Notre Dame could finish 9-3. and three. What a way to finish if they can do it. But we'll be back next week with reaction to the matchup versus Navy and preview Notre Dame's final home game next weekend versus Boston College. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Notre Dame on NBC podcast on the NBC Sports YouTube channel and wherever you get your audio podcasts. Go Irish! The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.